following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. What you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? Hey, sweet baby, don't you think maybe we could find us a brand new recipe? I got a brand new car and a two dollar bill, yeah. Know a spot right over the hill. That's sort of pop and the dancing free. So if you want to have fun, Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. I don't like to yell over anybody, especially Ray Charles. That's good. That's a good one, Bo. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was going through my records uh, earlier this week, and I pulled this one out, Ray Charles, Modern Sounds in Country and Western. And then the phone rang, I got distracted, and I never finished listening to it earlier this week. So now this is why we're here we, listening. We to got Ray it Charles. here yeah. today. We got an interesting show this morning. Yes. Um, Guy Huglet. Good morning. Love Ray Charles, by the way. Absolutely. And we have a special guest, Amy Darty of Bluegrass Elder Law. How are you today? I'm doing very well. It's lovely to be up and out so early. Yeah, it is early before the cold hits. That's why he played Hey Good Looking. Yeah, that's Because right. Amy is good looking. Absolutely. She is solid pure, listeners. Thank you very much. Yep. Let me read my Bible verse before we get going into the um, show. Matthew 6, take heed that you do not alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's uh, Matthew 6. Okay, Amy, uh, we're going to talk about some things pertaining to uh, estate planning and, and, and things like that. This is what you do at Bluegrass Elder Law. Guy, you're going to... Yeah, ask her some questions and go back and forth some, and and we're gonna, we're gonna get gab. started. Gonna All right, gab. I want to do this though, and thank you, Tom. We're we're so excited to have you. We really need to hear a little bit about this lady. She she's a she's a pretty incredible story. Absolutely, just, just her life is a story in itself, and a lot of folks probably don't know this. Amy is an identical twin. Yes, I so am. So there's two of these beautiful women running around in this world. But Amy was born with some challenges. And uh, uh, a lot of folks don't know that about Amy, but it's not that. And you know what? That wasn't even fair, and I apologize. Uh, you don't that wasn't a challenge. Uh, my you, condition is called arthrogryposis multiplex congenita. That about that, that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very rare, and it affects uh, my muscles and my um skeletal um, system and so I do have some challenges you mentioned Just I'm a chat. wheelchair user and I uh, really appreciate though being out in the community and serving my clients well well if you if, if folks if you all are downtown Lexington everybody knows Amy I mean she is she is the fastest woman in town Right. I would say I that. I around on my uh, power chair, and it'll go over six miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it moves. It moves, and, and everybody really knows you. But, you know, you have, you have 
you that has never been a challenge for you and that's what i you know you have lived a life as normal as anybody there's no question about that thank you very much and 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 you've done some pretty incredible things do you want to share a little bit about your life you know i mean do you, i'd love for you to tell some of the cool things you've done okay i've i've had a lot of wonderful experiences in my life um I've been able to do some mission work in Nicaragua, as my father used to call it. It was my second home. Right. I love yeah. the Managua and surrounding area, and I've been there about 16 times. Really? So, so it, You go every year, six, uh, about 16 years in a row? Yes, uh-huh. And I work with a uh, school in uh, rural Nicaragua. Uh, we have about 145 students, and we uh, make sure that they get uh, well-fed and well-educated. So that's one of my big uh, pieces in my life, besides Bluegrass Elder Law. Well, and, y'all, she had an incredible career. You know, she she's a very, very bright student. There's no question about that. Uh, She's a lawyer. She worked for the Public Service Commission for many, many years. You had a career there of about 30, 25 years uh, or so? 22 years, yes. Uh-huh. In, in Frankfurt. In, in Frankfurt. I, I worked for the agency that regulates the in-state operations of public utilities, and telecommunications was my area. I loved it. But a local native, she is a Air Force commander daughter. So you have traveled I have traveled. Uh, the most exotic place I've lived in my life is Germany, and I, we were there for three years when I was a child. It was incredibly formative yeah. uh, for me to, to be living in Europe as a child. So, and then she retires from state government. Early, I might add. Yeah. Early, <laughs> yes, and moves into a position in downtown Lexington working for the... Legal aid. Legal aid department. I worked for the civil legal aid group, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, when I started work there, my uh, boss said, well, I know you want to do immigration law because of you're interested in Nicaragua, but we need somebody to practice elder law. Can I tell you what that would entail, and would you be interested? And I thought very fondly immediately of my grandparents and their uh, issues and circumstances, and I said, I would love that. And so I've been doing elder law ever since. You know, it, and it's it's become a passion for yes, you. Yes, it there's, is. There's, mm-hmm. You know, our elder today really have a lot of challenges in in many different ways. And one of the things that I've learned about Amy is is that, you know, she can take a really, really difficult situation and turn it into a good, positive situation for everybody involved. But if you don't know, you can really get into some trouble. And I thought what we would do today is maybe throw a few circumstances out there and let's let's talk about them because these are real-life occurrences that happened. It, you know, Tom talked about how important estate planning is. There's a lot of other things that, you know, people need to be thinking about. Right. And if they don't do it, the assets and the, and the, the things that they've worked so hard for mm-hmm. really – Get put in jeopardy. And so I've got a, a couple of scenarios. Okay? Go ahead. Okay. So here's here's one that I thought Amy would maybe speak to pretty good. So we've got mom and dad who are both 90 years old, and they've lived an American, typical American life. they got a fair pension and a Social Security of 50000 Fair pension, Social Security, and then they got savings of fifty grand. they have got a house that they own free and clear, neither have ever engaged in any form of estate planning because of them, and I bet Amy's heard this a lot, estate planning is planning for death. And people don't want to talk about that, right? Right. But further, further, they believe themselves to be the type of people would be very healthy and not, not have to think about things like this, but not paying attention to any signs. Mom begins to show signs of Alzheimer's. The family thinks that she's being forgetful in her old age, and as time goes on, Mom's not only forgetful, but can no longer care for herself. She cannot get dressed. She almost burned down the kitchen when she tried to cook for 
for the family recently, and now she's become unfortunately incontinent. Dad can barely care for himself, let alone mom, and the children work full-time jobs. And as such, mom needs to move to a nursing home and apply for Medicaid to pay for it. What are some of the things that could probably happen without planning? If there is no planning in that circumstance, uh, the problem is that uh, mom can't sign herself into a nursing home because she doesn't have a power of attorney authorizing someone to act on her behalf. And uh, that can be very, very difficult if you don't do the planning where you appoint a trusted person to uh, provide uh, your business to do your banking, to sign your contracts, such as entering into a nursing home. Uh, you leave your family or friends, or if none of those, the state, in the position of having to apply for guardianship for you, and you lose all of your liberties of making your own decisions. So if you uh, do a power of attorney, that would be the first thing that I would suggest if, if a mom is able to tell me, for example, that she trusts her husband or trusts her children and wants them to act on her behalf, we would do a power of attorney, and then another person could conduct all of mom's business and that would get us very far down the road in helping them so i mean so in this case they, they would have difficulty with not having a power of attorney in place executing all of this correct yes, they definitely would and then what would have happened what what could have had what would be the worst case scenario there who who ends up in handling this for her uh, if uh, you didn't mention in your scenario whether they had uh, children, uh, no, well, they, they did. They, they have do. two kids, so but they both work. They they both work, but those children, even though they work, could be appointed as power of attorney if mom uh, could tell me that she wanted that done, and uh, dad would need to do the same thing because at ninety years old, uh, all of us are going to have some mishap, and we're we're not able to conduct our own business. Um, so that's the the first thing, and then. Uh, we would talk to the children or dad about the Medicaid rules and how they can preserve the family assets that they have. Uh, if mom's the one going into a nursing home, the marital home, the family home that dad continues to live in, if he does, is exempt. It's not going to be considered as an asset uh, keeping her from qualifying for Medicaid. And then uh, we, the the fifty thousand dollars in the bank, uh, could some of that would have to be spent, but it can be spent on dad as well in the community. What happens when the money runs out? Do they sell the house? Uh, not if dad is able to live in it. Uh, if uh, if a spouse can live in the home, it's not ever required to be sold, and there's no issue uh, qualifying mom for Medicaid. Um, in this circumstance, what we'd probably be looking at it for uh, somebody in their 90s is um, a sale of the marital home and using that uh, for dad to live in a slightly more protected environment, such as assisted living, and mom to be in a nursing home. And some of those complexes are on the same location, so the uh, mom and dad can still visit each other and keep their relationship going. Now, there's something that I hear a lot talked about. It's called a health care proxy. What does that mean? That is a power of attorney uh, for making your health care decisions. So here, uh, if mom's having Alzheimer's and not able to communicate with her own health care providers, she would, uh, if she can, appoint a proxy. Uh, the guardianship court would also do that for her, but there's a whole process. Um, In this case, there would they have had to go to guardianship? Would they have to go? Would they have to go to guardianship court because they didn't have anything in place? If uh, if mom cannot articulate at all that she trusts somebody and wants them to talk to the doctor for her or talk to the bank for her, yes, that's the only alternative. Okay, so in this case, she she was she had Alzheimer's. Yes. So she really didn't have the ability. They they really were at risk well, of now, maybe having to. An initial diagnosis of Alzheimer's doesn't mean. Uh, that you are uh, mentally incompetent to okay. provide your own documents. What we're looking for is somebody's ability to articulate uh, that they uh, trust the person or persons they're appointing and that they want their help. They understand they're going to be able to act on their behalf. 
after they sign the document. And so uh, just because a doctor or, uh, or, or your family says that you have dementia of any stripe doesn't mean that you're not at that moment able to sign documents. Right. We're looking for a lucid moment. Uh, okay. So my question, I guess, I've heard stories of people having to go through this guardianship process. Yes. What are some of the things that folks should do to prevent that? The only way to prevent it is to do powers of attorney documents appointing people to act on your behalf. Okay. And, uh, for example, our law firm does them very cheaply because it's the cornerstone of any good estate planning. Uh, people are a lot more concerned about their wills uh, than they are about their powers of attorney, but really uh, the power of attorney is a more critical uh, document because you have to do that. The state's not going to do that for you unless it's through uh, the court system and the whole guardianship process. Gotcha. So, all right. So in this situation, one of the things that, that I was, when I was doing a little bit of research about this, that this family had to go through the guardianship process and it cost over $50,000 in Good legal heavens. fees. Yes. Well, that it, one would have had to have been contested. In, it, in Kentucky, what you could do is a person that's seeking to be a guardian over someone else can go to the uh, district court uh, get the paperwork, fill it out, uh, or they could come to a firm like mine and we would help you with that. Uh, but the, uh, you have to find three experts, a doctor, a psychologist, and a, a social worker to act and, and pay them to do reports on your loved one and file those in court. And so it's a very, it can be a protracted process. If you've got an emergency that somebody's hurting themselves, hurting others, or that they are um, financially in immediate danger, uh, you can get an emergency guardianship uh, usually in a week to 10 days. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole separate process right. at the court also. So, Amy, when folks, somebody comes to, you know, to visit with you, and, you know, let's, let's just say they're, you know, they're in their 60s and they're getting, they're getting ready to retire. What are some of the things, you know, how do you kind of take us through that process? Okay. Set people up to, you know, things they need to be thinking about. Well, I talk to my clients about each and every asset they own that has a title to it. Uh, and so we just go through piece by piece and what their plan or projection is about that asset. So whether it's the family home, um, I ask them about their health diagnoses because a lot of times people uh, will be uh, triggered to come to a law office when they themselves get a uh, diagnosis, but they won't want to talk about it. But that would be important for me to know to give them the best advice. Mm -hmm. So I always ask about health diagnoses. I ask them about uh, whether their thought on their the home they're living in now is that they can age in it. Is that where they want to be? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm surprised they'll say, oh, no, we're planning to move next year. And so then that's a whole different conversation than, uh, yes, um, this is family farm. Uh, there are almost no steps. Right. And I plan to take my last breath inside these walls. You know, those right. are vastly different conversations because you've got to plan for the proceeds from the sale if they're going to do that um, and a lot of different aspects. So the first thing, of course, you want to make sure they have a will, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And then then once we get you get them through that process, then you, you make them think about those things that, are going to happen 20, 30 years from now, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So and I always talk to my clients about their goals. So if their goal, uh, if a client comes to me and says, well, I've worked hard, and what I really want out of my life is to make sure that my children inherit all of my wealth. I want to use as little of it on myself, and I want them to have it all. Uh, that's one goal. If they say, I Those are good hard. parents, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Right. They say, I've worked hard, and I'm fine for all of my wealth to be spent on myself and my own needs before I die. Yeah. And if there happens to be any left over, the kids can have it. Um, we just uh, we tailor the documents and the planning along the client's actual goals that they articulate. Which is a good thing. That's <laughs> yeah. a good right. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyhow, what are some of the biggest problems that you're seeing right now with some of our elder uh, there can be a misunderstanding of, um, of 
your ability to act on somebody else's behalf or a misunderstanding of like the Medicaid rules. Uh, the saddest cases I've seen in my career uh, doing elder law, whether it was at the legal aid office or now in private practice, is uh, people that misunderstood the Medicaid rules. Somebody told them, uh, maybe even at the Medicaid office, uh, that a person can only have $2,000 of assets, and so they'll spend all of their entire wealth, like in your family, they would have spent down $48,000 and then go to apply, and that was so unnecessary because of a lot of different Medicaid rules that they were not aware of. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. How much that. time? We, we still got another how much? You got about two and a half minutes. Oh, okay. We're good. You got time. So Medicaid is really a complicated issue. Yes, it is. Today. I mean, in, in another benefit of having somebody like you advising families correct? Yes, and people think that the uh, tax rules and the Medicaid rules are identical, and they're not. So I often have families say, well, uh, we wanted to make sure our kids had something, and so we've been giving them $10,000 each a year or you know, up to 15000 now, and that's the um, annual exclusion rate that most people are aware of. Uh, but the problem is that's still a gift that would disqualify uh, mom from uh, being eligible for Medicaid. We would have to do some things to plan around that, although usually we can overcome that in, uh, in some capacity. But people think that complying with the IRS rules uh, will get them into the Medicaid system, and it's um, actually not at all the case. And once you get in the Medicaid system, You've got some protection, correct, from some of your other yes. assets? Is that right? Uh, yes. Um, particularly for married people, uh, there are a lot of uh, spousal uh, support mechanisms that we can use and uh, making sure that spouses don't get impoverished uh, by their spouse needing to be in a nursing facility. Right. Those things are, that's important because you've saved that money. You don't want to lose it all. Exactly. And gosh, I hear so many stories today. Well, Amy and I talk a lot and we see each other often. We go to the same church and I hear these stories where, you know, people are signing their homes over to the nursing homes. They don't know right. what they're doing. Yeah. Yes. Well, the nursing home doesn't actually want your home because they don't yeah. have property managers or yeah. anything. Well, they like want that. you to sell your but home, they, basically. They'll tell you that uh, you'll have to sell the home, or they'll uh, tell you know they'll tell you that your bill is running up, and they're going to uh, discharge your loved one from the nursing home. Right. So uh, there, there's Woo. a lot to this area, but. If, if you do have a loved one that's in a nursing home and you get a discharge notice, uh, call my office or a similar <laughs> office immediately because we have uh, rights that we can uh, exercise on your behalf right. and, and work your situation out generally. Got it. That's good. We're talking with Amy Darty of Bluegrass Elder Law. It's the Tom Dupree Show. Stay with us. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Uh, you couldn't. From iHeartRadio, number one for podcasts, Dear Young Rockers. Remember how the 14-year-old version of yourself felt? If you could write to that kid, what would you say? I'm Chelsea Arson. Join me on my podcast, Dear Young Rocker, where each week I write a letter to my younger self as she brings us back into the intensity of adolescence. Falling in love with your favorite song the way only a teenager can. Getting up the nerve to join a band. I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching, his paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing re-improvements, and today 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog, and he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate, like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O. 
vite.com. Federal health officials at three major airports in the U.S. are screening passengers arriving from China looking for symptoms, they say, of a new type of coronavirus that has sickened dozens of people in China. ABC's Lama Hassan has more on the virus. The SARS-like virus, which has already killed at least two people in China, has affected at least 1,700 people. Experts say the pneumonia-like virus has spread to Japan and Thailand, prompting screenings of air passengers at three major U.S. airports, Hong Kong and Singapore. Passengers land from China and New York's JFK in San Francisco and Los Angeles are being screened. In Virginia, extra security is in place ahead of a gun rights rally Monday scheduled this Martin Luther King Day. Police arresting six members of a violent white supremacist group in three states and police say some members plan to attend the rally and plan violence. A winter storm this weekend causing problems on roads and airports. Midwest and Upper Plains getting hit with the wintry mix of snow and ice. Michelle Franz and ABC News. Gusty winds across the area today with a lot of rain as well. That's ahead of an Arctic front. Those gusts will take center stage and may reach 50 miles per hour. Keep that in mind if you're going to be on traveling. Highs today ahead of that front, 50 to 55. Then the Arctic air takes control into the evening. By Sunday morning, we're going to drop that temperature into the upper teens with a wind chill in the single digits. The rest of your Sunday with a partly cloudy sky and a high into the upper 20s. Wind chill in the teens gets even colder than that as we go into Monday and Tuesday as we hang on to mainly dry weather. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Got cabin fever? We've got the cure. The 63rd Annual Ford Cincinnati Travel Sports and Boat Show now from Renfro Productions. It's the biggest selection of boat manufacturers ever. Shop boats, power sports, adventure sports, and travel destinations. Plus free kids trout fishing in the Tiny Tots Riding Adventure. Fishing is back with tackle vendors and top pros on the hog trough. Bring the whole family. January 17th through 19 and 22 through 26 at the Duke Energy Convention Center. Adult discount tickets available at Kroger. Buy tickets online and save at cincysportshow.com. Another Renfro production. Prescription products require an online physician consultation and are only available if the physician determines a prescription is appropriate. Subscription required. See website for full details and important safety information. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash joy. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4hims.com joy. That's 4hims.com joy for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash joy. 630 WLAP. the Tom Dupree Show, where we have special guest Amy Doherty of Bluegrass Elder Law, and we've got some more questions for her for, for this half hour, and Guy, you go ahead and take it away. I love Ray Charles. I just love that. Yeah. I don't, if anybody hadn't seen the movie Ray, they really ought to see it. It's, it's beautiful. Good. Very well done. Yeah. About his life. Thank, thanks, Bo, for that. So, Elizabeth brought up a great point at the break. She was talking about, you know, Amy's a specialist in elder law in dealing with issues that, you know, seniors have to deal with in life and their families. But, you know, it's just not about that. It's also about their children, right? That's exactly true. And and youngsters. I mean, I mean, people in their 40s and 30s. I mean, we provide uh, estate planning services to 
to people of all ages. And uh, the youngest person uh, my office has done a will for uh, was uh, 20 years old. Really? Uh, this uh, young guy had a child, and his grandmother uh, sent him and paid for the will. She was just determined this child was going to have the protection that a will would uh, provide That's if something good. happened with uh, to the baby's dad. So we will do and, and do do estate planning for all ages. And I also uh, do special needs planning. So when you have a family member uh, that is a special needs person, uh, there's a lot of different planning that can be done to preserve assets and to provide uh, for that person. Right. And we do that type of planning as well. That's good. I mean, some really bad things can happen even with our youngsters. And uh, I'm going to throw a scenario up to you because it relates to one of the the younger folks. This is a pretty good one. This is is about a story about a young parent who died without a will. Yeah. And the problems that it causes. And her name was Katie, and she was a single mother. She had an eight-year-old daughter. And she didn't really, she didn't have much, but she did have about 30,000 in savings. She had minimal equity in her home with a mortgage. But like many of the millennials, Katie does not have any estate planning documents in place, and dying wasn't even a thought for her. You know, she was young and assumed that it wouldn't be an issue for a long time. Unfortunately, she was in a fatal car accident and died and had no will, had nothing. Her father was a deadbeat dad and not interested. In the, the, the father of the child was a deadbeat dad, not interested in raising her. So the closest relatives, Katie's parents, who were divorced and both wanted custody of the daughter, as such, since there was no will, naming a guardian for the daughter was a legal battle in its own right. And that's You kind of see where this is going. So it all play this and, one out. Okay, uh, that uh, the difficulties and traumas to the family could have all been uh, avoided uh, if the young mom had done a little bit of estate planning. Uh, she would have come and done a power of attorney, uh, authorizing somebody to provide care for her child if she was not able to. Right. Uh, a lot of uh, folks in her age group have very close friends, uh, and they, if they had appointed one of their friends that had the same kind of parenting uh, philosophy that she did uh, to be the power of attorney for that child should something happen to her, make decisions at the doctor's office, uh, sign in for school, all of those kinds of things, uh, that child would have had a much more smooth transition. Uh, you do, uh, as a parent, uh, have the ability to name a guardian in a will. The court process still oversees that. So if somebody contested it, they could uh, put evidence into court about uh, what was going, you know, why you wouldn't be a good parent or would be a good parent, uh, and the court would decide. But there's a lot of evidence, uh, a lot of um, uh, presumption given to a naming of a guardian for your child should you die. Right. And in this case, one of the issues is that the dad, even though he's deadbeat, could have, uh, he he has a right to raise that child by himself. That's right. So if you're um, a solo parent, uh, you might want to think about uh, visiting a family law firm and uh, seeing if you could get the uh, deadbeat dads in this circumstance, uh, parental rights terminated voluntarily or, or whatnot, so that you don't leave that parent having the, the uh, ability to raise your child should something happen to you. I mean, how long do you think they probably fought over this? This this probably one. And in the meantime, where's the where is the child? Well, there'd be. Is a, it going it, in adoption? Home, you know, uh, it depends on the circumstances. Usually, if there are family members, I, uh, the judge would say, you know, for for right now, till we decide what we're going to do, you're staying with grandma. But you know, you never know. Uh, what is pretty certain is that if you really want a non-family member to raise your child, you would have to name that. Uh, a court's not going to turn a child over to your best friend if your parents are standing there saying, "I want to raise my granddaughter." Okay. So. Yeah. So let's let's have some fun. Okay, I'm up for that. <laughs> so. Guys, always up for fun. No, let, yeah. let, let's 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 throw some fun stuff out here. So so you know, my we've got a d- mom and we've got a dad, and um, and and mom passes away. Mm-hmm. Dad moves into a you know nice 
retirement community, mm-hmm. living community. But dad, dad's full of energy and fun and, and all this. And he meets a woman that's also a widow, just like him. And they're having a great time, and they decide they're going to get married. Yep. And they both have children. They both have significant assets. Mm-hmm. And they've got no will. But they've made a lot of promises to each other. I want you, you know, I want my money to go to this person, and I want vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. Amy, what happens in a, in a circumstance like this? Well, there's a lot of planning that needs to be done with people's actual goals in that circumstance. Uh, one of the things that I, I would always recommend is uh, prior to the wedding date uh, for this um, couple <laughs> that they have each gone to separate lawyers and worked out a, a mutually agreeable um, agreement. And you sign that before you're married. Before. It says... Uh, Assets I brought to the marriage are going to stay in my name, and they're going to therefore go to my children, if that's my plan. Uh, and so both parties do this, but it needs to be a, an arm's-length negotiated agreement and that both parties have copies of and keep. And the trick to those is that a lot of times uh, couples will not list all of their assets um, for whatever reason, or they don't have the true value of things, and so it still may not uh, work. But if at the the death of one, it says, you know, m- my children get my assets. Uh, the situation is, or a, a divorce or whatever, um, but the situation often is that people will have a, uh, what I call a sweetheart will, even then. You know, I'm, I'm I like so, that sweetheart will. Sweetheart will. I'm yeah. so taken with you. I'm gonna. I want to make sure that um, even though we had this agreement at my death, I want you to have everything. They, you know, they think they're they're protected by their agreement, and then they turn around and at their death hand all of their assets to their second spouse. Uh, and Is that what happened? What would have would have happened here? I mean, let's, well, so let's say the you know the the dad dies first. No yeah. will. No nothing. Uh, if he has no will, that's yeah right. The um, agreement just a promise. Should, uh, just a promise. The agreement um, should take the, that they entered into prior to marriage uh, should take hold, and the wife would not have access to his uh, estate. Uh, if you don't have a, a, an agreement that you enter into before marriage, uh, then uh, the wife, by law, gets about half of his property. Uh, her marital share. Uh, that's a, um, something that happens during intestacy, which means you died without a will. You just said that. Um, and if they die, if you, if you die without a will and have a spouse, your spouse is going to get about half. Uh, it, it's all very complicated uh, under the statute. Uh, but if you don't make your own decisions by documents that you execute when you have the uh, competency to execute them, then there are statutes that the legislature of Kentucky has come up with uh, that distribute your assets to uh, family members in various degrees. And, and then I want to ask a question because you bring up statute. What if what if I live in North Carolina? Or it, it, are the statutes different in they're other ab- states? They're absolutely different. That's they right. They certainly are. Uh-huh. And one of the things I wanted to mention, uh, yeah, so you need to see a lawyer in your own state. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to mention about your scenario is that uh, people often don't arrange their um, expenses for living according to the way that they should in second marriages. You don't want to, for example, say, well, we're going to create a family um account for all of our monthly bill paying and have only one of the uh, partners put money in that account Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you're depleting that partner's assets uh, and it should be disproportionately that's correct Uh uh-huh and I also, in those sweetheart wills, a lot of times what they say is, uh, at my death, um, for the second to survive, you know, the first to survive gets everything, and the second to survive distributes to their children and their stepchildren. Uh, but uh, when the first to die spouse passes, uh, the second can redo the will, and there's no obligation to then right. provide for your stepchildren, your former stepchildren. It's yeah. It's like it, yeah. I kind of get. A, I'm thinking. Well, okay. So if if you if you're moving into a retirement community, one of the admission policies should be that you have 
legal documents in place. If you graduate from college, one of the graduation policies, or when you get your first job, mm-hmm. should be you need to take legal documents, you know, training and make sure you have certain doc- I mean we have we've become such a litigious society right. now mm-hmm. it's and people s- certainly have no idea they just have this notion that uh the that what they want is going to happen but that isn't true you know I, I was uh, thinking uh, we were talking a break about how we see all ages and uh, one thing we're starting to do more of is if there are college students that have reached their age of majority so they're over 18 but they uh, don't have any you know close friends or family yet uh, they can do powers of attorney of appointing their parents uh, to be able to manage their uh, banking if they needed to, or sometimes more importantly, if they had an illness or uh, were injured in an accident, uh, there's nobody to make medical decisions for them if they haven't appointed. So we're doing that. Planning is for all ages. All right. ages. Mm-hmm. Powers of attorney is a very important document. Yes. Because it has the financial piece. It has the health care piece. It has personal decision making. Personal decision making. One thing we so, want, you want to have HIPAA releases so somebody, you, they can't just talk to the doctor, but they can actually see your medical release. Uh, we, you want to have access to their online accounts, and that right. all has to be noted. These, uh, the authority pe- you're granting somebody has to be actually listed, enumerated in the document. And what is the hardest thing to do is to ask. Yeah. Children don't want to talk Mm -hmm. to their parents about this it's hard and i'm speaking from my own experience uh with my my wife's family yeah my wife wasn't comfortable talking to her mother after her father passed away right but she did something real smart okay she came to me (laughs) (laughs) you know it's let god do it (laughs) but and it was fine. It wasn't that big a deal. But I, you know, and I talked to her about it. I asked the questions. Mm-hmm. Do you have a will? Do you have a power of attorney? Mm-hmm. Have you, you know, thought about these things? Mm-hmm. You know, because, and, and it went, and she said, you know, no, I don't. And I need to do these things. And she did. Do you want to share any stories about that? Do you have any experience where that really became problematic, where there wasn't? Uh, the power of attorney and and oh yeah some of the and, circumstances and, uh, yes and a power of attorney um, is a document that I I call it a coming along the side of relationship it doesn't mean that when I'm, I as an 80 year old appoint my son to be my power of attorney that I can't conduct my own business you still conduct your own so this person comes along the side of you and has the authority to conduct your business just like you do. But if you don't make that uh, arrangement where you're voluntarily, when you're competent, entering into a power of attorney uh, relationship with somebody, then uh, and, and you can't conduct your own business, you're going to lose your right to e- make even the decisions that you might have otherwise been able to. Because a guardianship setting is, you know, you you no longer have the right to sign contracts for yourself. You no longer can conduct your own banking. Uh, you don't have the authority to talk to your doctors because you know we think you're disabled and uh, and so right. it's a uh, much more draconian. So if somebody does the planning, it leaves them in control, and that power of attorney would do uh, fine. Uh, uh, the document will do fine unless there are uh, unless there's somebody to contest it. Uh, so in a circumstance. Uh, where you might have uh, children that are arguing with each other about the right care, then that can be more difficult. Uh, and, and so sometimes it's not a total guarantee so, that you can avoid guardianship, but it, it's a really good thing to do. Um, walk us through this scenario. There is a power of attorney agreement in place. The parent is starting to, you know, exhibit some unusual behavior. Mm-hmm. But can't really put your finger on it, but, you know, giving money away to people, you know, doing things that you're concerned about. Right. And let's say the money's being managed by, you know, an investment firm like Dupree Financial. And the parents calling and saying, you know, I want to I want to do this and I want to do that. What 
What, what, how do you deal with that situation? It can be really difficult. Uh, uh, but if we have the documents in place that we've talked about, it, it's a lot easier. Uh, in the circumstance here, say there's a son that comes to um, your office and mm -hmm. says, well, here's my power of attorney. Well, I'm assuming you're going to have a look at that power of attorney, make sure mom actually signed it, uh, make sure the son's been appointed, and you've got, you, you look at his ID that it's really him and that sort of thing. Uh, but you also will be looking at the document to see which authorities were granted to you, uh, to, to that son. And so if it doesn't say anything about having the ability to handle financial accounts, you're not going to accept that power of attorney, I'm assuming. Okay. So, um the power of attorney document itself is only as good as a third party is willing to accept it. Okay. Act on behalf. Uh, and the problem in the scenario that you mentioned there, uh, and it's something we talked about at the break too, is that uh, assigning somebody as a power of attorney doesn't mean you don't have the right to act on your own behalf. Okay. And even if you become disabled, uh, the the hope is, the thought is, that you will step back and not do your own business. But where somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm going to sign this over to somebody, you know, so-and-so, um, who's not related and didn't earn it, uh, then uh, your child may not be able to prevent that. And so at that point, uh, the child's uh, options are to say, well, well, we'll let it ride, or I have the right to go under the power of attorney and uh, move mom's money to a different account, and maybe she doesn't have access to that account so I can preserve it. It's a very trusted relationship. So you could close and open an account in that setting, yeah. but if mom really doesn't like what's going on uh, and, and the daughter can't stop it or dad can't right. stop it, then uh, the child's going to have to file for guardianship and make the case in court. Uh, the the issue can be where there are close calls. Uh, somebody's oh, actually going to be found legally incompetent or not. Yeah, God, it's, I mean, it's exhausting. It is. It's very exhausting. Mm -hmm. So the key is the specifics. I mean, right. really deep detail. It is. Cover all the details yeah. in the power of attorney. And the underlying basis is we live in a country that is um, – you know, free and we have liberties. And so for all adults who haven't been found to be uh, disabled by a court, haven't been adjudicated disabled, they get to make their decisions. Right. Uh, there could be fine folks like you all who recognize that somebody's not making a decision that uh, is in their best interest at all and, you know, have a child move accounts or something along that line to protect the money. Uh, but for all of those, there are other situations that come up that that don't get that protection. So, uh, you know, having good relationships and maintaining those uh, and doing the necessary estate planning is, is the best way to get your goals accomplished and, and protect everybody. It, it, it always makes sense to consult with a trusted professional before you, um, you know, just move ahead. Yes, definitely. Whether it's a financial uh, person such as um, Tom Dupree and group or whether it's a, a, a legal firm or both. I, I, one, go ahead. All right, I will. Um, one thing that strikes me when you're talking about this thing is the depth of, of the detail that you need to go into and getting people to talk about things that are uncomfortable. Yes. That's the, that's the important thing is that people don't want to go there they frequently are have never lived their life like that. They've done all their own decision making, and it's hard for them to open up to an attorney or any mm -hmm. professional like that and talk about these things that uh, are very personal and you know very but very important. It's very difficult, and I've had uh, two or three clients over the years who refuse to tell me what their assets are. And How can I, you I even? Will, I can't help them. Yeah. I will do powers of attorney because I know, you know like if they're appointing you know, a child that's trusted and all that, um, 
I'll do that for them. Uh, I might even do a simple will that leaves everything to their children, which is basically what the state uh, legislature would have said. Anyway. You're right. Uh, but I let them know that I can't help them and that they're missing a lot of opportunities to preserve assets if right. they can't tell me uh, what they what they are. The, the thing that you, that you all do so well is you ask the questions that we never think to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a c- circumstance that I personally had some experience with that was tragic. It was a a husband and wife. The wife was a drug addict Mm -hmm. and in bad, bad shape. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they divorced after a long, long, you know, you can imagine, uh, battle. They finally divorced. The husband had custody of the two children who were teenagers and he has a heart attack one morning, Saturday morning, cutting the grass and dies. No will. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened in that situation? Uh, and, and he had life insurance, which was the only asset he had. What do you think happened? In that circumstance, uh, depending on who the beneficiary was listed on his life insurance plan. It was the drug addict what? wife oh, that was divorced who was okay. living in a crack house in New Orleans. It depends on uh, the state law about whether somebody that you actually can produce divorce records for uh, can still receive your beneficiary statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's becoming less likely that they would be able to. And so in that circumstance, let's say the, the wife would not get those. Years past, she would have. Whoever you named on the beneficiary would get it. Uh, but if she doesn't get that, um, somebody would open a probate estate, and it could be a family member or um, you know, a court-appointed attorney. You know, anybody can open a probate um, on behalf of the children. Uh, the life estate funds would be diverted to that probate estate and the court would set up uh, funds for the teenagers. Uh, Children, uh, that is people under 18, uh, don't have any legal authority to own um, money or any other asset. And so they would be placed in a trust and uh, the court would appoint a trustee to manage the money. Uh, Presumably the kids would need it to live on and um, that would be managed. We're about done here. Get it. Yeah, Amy, I want to thank you for being here today. Bluegrass Elder Law, give us the the phone numbers. Okay, the phone number for Bluegrass Elder Law is 281-0048. And that, if you think you could benefit by some of the things that Amy's been talking about today uh, for your own estate and needs, give her a call. What's your website? It is uh, Bluegrass Elder Law. Bluegrass Elder Law. Mm Bluegrasselderlaw.com. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks, Amy. To the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP.